Welcome to Policy Insights, a podcast produced for the University of Southern Queensland's Master of Business Administration. I'm Dr. Daniel Maddock, a digital pedagogy and media specialist and part of the MBA design team. In this podcast series, we talk to leaders from a variety of industries about organisational policy and the processes involved in developing, implementing, evaluating and communicating changes and updates to policy effectively. These interviews were recorded via the internet, so please keep this in mind as you listen to this episode. Nia Yari Giam, Jaganba, Na Gayabu, Yarrawa Peoples, Nia Toowoomba. This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Giyabul and Yarrawa peoples in a place called Toowoomba. Our guest for this episode began her professional life in marketing, spending more than a decade in the consumer packaged goods industry in Canada. Since moving to Australia, Kelly Hamlet has worked as a marketing and sales manager for the water industry before becoming policy advisor and now lead business partner for service improvement at the University of Southern Queensland. Kelly Hamlet, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Kelly, can you tell us a little bit about your current role with USQ? Sure. So at the moment, I work in the service improvement team. We are like an internal group of consultants that help areas of the business that are looking to improve some part of their process, including making changes to their policies and procedures. That's an area that I've worked in for the last few years as uh, the policy advisor. What sort of work does that involve on a day-to-day basis? So for me, on a day-to-day basis, it involves a lot of talking to the various parts of the university as they work through the policy and procedure changes that they would like to make, whether that's developing new ones or changing ones that we have. So my role is to kind of be a guide for them on the process and a sanity check, taking a look at drafts at a certain point in the process. How would you describe the role of policy at a place like USQ? Well, the way our policy framework is set up, we have policies which are high-level documents with principles. So think of it as this is the approach that the university is taking on a given topic. Then we have procedures which are the how. So if the policy is the what, the procedure is the how. How do we do this? We've also got other documents called schedules, which support them and provide some of the extra information that might make a document hard to read. Policy and procedure is something some people tend to avoid. So anything we can do to make it more usable and more readable is beneficial. So when you talk about backing up the policy with a kind of vision that the university has about how it feels about, um, let's say, its approach to policy. Does that kind of feeling come from the mission statement of the university, what it sets out to do in its business? There's definitely that level of, of alignment where our, our accountable officers and our leadership team, the people who are responsible for particular policies and procedures, they are always looking to align those documents with the vision of the university, with the mission of the university, and with where we're trying to go. Sometimes there is just a practical time lag of the university may evolve its strategic vision, and then it's just a matter of considering from an operational standpoint, hey, we know where we want to go, how are we going to get there, and how do we actually translate that into policy and procedure documents to support it? And make sure that those documents have 
a balance of the right content reviewed by the subject matter experts and approved by the appropriate people, but also that is there in time to be effective. So Kelly, is there a kind of consideration that you have to make in terms of understanding the culture, the students at the university, and um, also the partners that the university might have? The way that we approach it is we have a central, uh, so the central service improvement team, we sort of house and maintain the policy library, and we support the process. But the responsibility for what goes into those documents sits out with, we would call them the business areas, but really the different departments within the university so that you've got the subject matter experts translating what needs to go into a document into it appropriately. And I do think culture plays a role there because obviously you've got the finance team putting together finance-focused documents. You've got academic division and the people who are responsible for working with students directly, working on student-facing policies and procedures. And I definitely think that plays into it. And we will look at that. So when I get a document to review, I will consider who's the audience here. So if they've told me that the scope is all students, which could include everyone from postgraduate researchers to somebody where they're straight out of secondary school, high school, and and it's their first day of uni, is it going to be readable for them? Or is it written in such a way that you would need someone to decode it for you? So we'll look at the level of the language and how readable it is. Is it in plain English? And we have certain best practices that we'll use or and recommend, uh, although it is up to the business units to then decide, since they sometimes have particular reasons why they need to use particular phrases or words. So then, Kelly, it comes down to interpretation. Do you often think about are there different ways, for instance, that policy can be interpreted and is that going to be the correct way that you need it to be interpreted depending on who the audience is? Part of our process is something we call the stage five review, and that's when the document comes into me. So before that, usually the business area has gone, huh, we have a need to develop or change something. They've talked to their team, their core stakeholders, and they've put something together. Uh, they've run the draft by them and gone, is this what we want? It's always interesting when it then comes to me because I'm a fresh set of eyes and I'm not within their unit. So sometimes it's the first time someone who's a little removed from it has a chance to look it over. And so, yes, I definitely have those times where I will say, I have read this to mean X is that what you wanted? And they'll say, oh, no, we wanted Y. We have a a term that our academic division uses. They will talk about scaffolding and sequencing to refer to how programs are structured. And we had to ask them to define scaffolding and what they meant since we said, look, for the average person, they're going to think you mean something on the side of a building, not something having to do with how academic programs are structured. When it comes to a change of policy, that is a policy you already have in place in your policy library, but a change is being initiated. How do you go about that process and how does the change get initiated in the first place? They come in in a different number of different ways. It could be that legislation has changed. It could be there's been an organizational change at the university. It could be just um, part of our regular review schedule, or they've gotten feedback from users saying, hmm, this could be better. Um, We always try to keep the, we, we do try to keep the operational practice in sync with the policies or procedures. Typically, it will come from the owners of the policies themselves to say we need to make a change. 
Other times, we'll let them know if we become aware of it or if maybe a policy and procedure is changing over here and that's going to have an impact on a policy and procedure in another area. Once they've decided to make a change, we talk about what is the degree of that change. So if someone says something like, oh, you know what? We've realized this sentence, it's really convoluted. We don't like how we wrote it. We think we could simplify it. That's editorial. The same as if you catch an error in grammar or spelling, or if, let's say, the name of someone's position has changed. Those are the kinds of things we can just immediately update as long as the accountable officer has said, yep, this is the change I want made. Then we have what we call minor changes. So these are changes that don't affect the purpose or scope of the document, and the degree of impact is quite small. So this might be where they want to expand on something that um, was written there previously, or they want to perhaps change something to say, you have five days to reply to, actually, we're going to give you 10. Um, So something fairly small. Then again, we'll say, have you talked to your key stakeholders and everybody's happy? And then we just help them to publish that. Where the change has a major impact or they're changing the scope or the purpose, we treat that the same as developing a new policy or procedure. And we go through the same process where ultimately people need to be consulted and the draft reviewed. And it has to be approved by the approval authority. Kelly, this is all very stringent in terms of processes. Does it have to be that way? Well, what I would say is it certainly certainly does sound that way. We try to build in as much flexibility as we can. For example, it's really up to the business what they put in that draft. It's up to them who they're going to consult with and what feedback they're going to take on. And then, of course, they present that to the approval authority. We try to find that balance between helping the, the, the various departments to achieve what they're trying to achieve in a timely fashion while making sure that, A, the other areas of the university ha- who are impacted have the opportunity to share their thoughts and contribute, and also that ultimately the approval authority gets the chance to say whether or not they support this change. In your experience, does policy ever have an unexpected outcome? Um, Yeah, I would say um, sometimes what will happen is things will land on my desk to review and people won't realize that by making this change, they're actually impacting policies and procedures in other parts of the university. So that's Part of um, the review that we'll do is to say, oh, did you realize that there's an impact here? Because people are very busy and they are trying to take care of everything that is usually the, the core part of their job. And quite often policy is something extra that needs to be done. So they may not realize the impact that it can have somewhere else. So that's something that we... Um, have to be alert to. So we can say to them, well, do you realize this actually impacts, um, this is related to, say, a staff working condition. You probably should go talk to human resources or the people portfolio um, or that sort of thing. Or you might say, you know, have you considered talking to the student guild about this and seeing if they have opinions on, on the impact on students? 
In your opinion, as a policy advisor, how important is it for leaders to have an awareness of the influence the policies are having at their organization, as you say, across the board, because there are in your library many different policies? I do think it's very important to carefully consider what we're putting out there and how it is being presented. Often the desire is to complete the task and to get everything through, approved, and updated. And we always try to talk about, is this going to be usable and reasonable? Anyone can, well, maybe not anyone, but many documents can be written from the perspective of throw it all in there, just everything, including the kitchen sink, just to make sure everything is covered. But that doesn't create documents that are very usable by the people they're meant to impact. So we'll try to give feedback and say things like, okay, you've talked about a lot of, say, maybe you've got a a procedure that impacts both staff and research students. And if we notice that there's comments about things research students have to do scattered throughout many pages of text, we'll give feedback. Could you put those together? And it's those sorts of things and that clarity and consistency that we hope that all of the approval authorities and accountable officers consider when they review a document and say, yes, this is ready to go. And I'm happy to say that in a lot of cases, our senior leaders will say, we could word this better, or let's think about the impact here and try to make it more usable. Kelly, how do we make sure, as you were saying earlier, that policy is seen as a living document rather than something that, you know, many of us sort of don't want to read or engage with, or we feel it's that boring thing that we have to kind of be aware of? In ter- if I can sort of turn the question around a little and start with the the, the boring, not engage with part, um, we deal with that from those developing policy as well. It's not necessarily anyone's favorite task to go, oh, I have to write a policy or procedure. The approach I always take is, look, we all have to do our taxes. That's not fun. But the lady at H&R Block who does my taxes makes it painless and as easy as possible. So that's the sort of the service that we try to provide to make sure that the policies are able to be developed and that it's a fairly smooth process. We also try to look at, again, that usability. Is it in plain English? Does it make sense? Is it easy to flow? We also try to always take this approach of one source of truth. So what we'll say, for example, is we have a privacy policy. We don't need to take elements from that and rewrite them in 10 different documents just because you need to allude to privacy. What we'll say to people is just tell people, refer to the privacy policy. It makes for much cleaner documents and it makes sure that you are less likely to have something slip through the cracks when updates are happening. Um, But mainly we just try to make the updating process as easy as possible. And we also make sure it's easy for people to link out to other documents so that people can find us easily and and see what they might need. How do you make policy available to everybody? I mean, I I know it's on the intranet in every company. Um, There's a policy library. It's all there and things are easily linked to um, from other staff members when they say, you know, you have to do your induction. Here's the link to the policy, answer these questions, etc. But how do you sort of truly make it something that's accessible to everybody and, and kind of communicated well? 
In terms of the documents themselves, that goes back, I think, again, to the way they're structured and written and saying, have we written this in a way that is suitable for the audience? Have we made the language accessible? Have we made the definitions consistent and clear and easy to follow? And have we organized the information in a way that someone can easily come in and get the information that they need? The other thing we'll often say is, what else can we connect to that might refer to the policy or be based on the policy, but is going to be more usable by the eventual audience? So, for example, you might have a website that is based on the policy and procedure, but it's going to have only the select information that a particular group needs. So you may have that policy and procedure there, but it may not be your best source always of information. There might be other ways to present it. Um, a good example of that, we have a, um, a procurement policy at the university, which most places would have. That team recently reviewed that in the last year. And the procedure, the first draft was a very large number of pages. When we did our review, we said, look, you know, the actual procedure, the average person, typically an employee, needs to be able to read this procedure and go, how do I buy something? That's what they need to get out of it. There's a lot more detail that, say, our procurement team needs. So they were able to split that and take most of the bulk of the content and put it into a manual that very few people need in select circumstances and take that procedure and compress it way, way down um, so that it's more usable by the average employee to just go, look, I just ha- I want a thing. How do I, how do I get my thing? I love how you turn that around there and you expressed policy as a question. Most staff, as you say, they, they want to know how to buy something or what's the right way that I need to do something when I have to deal with an external business or how, how do I accomplish the thing I need to do for my work and, and bogging them down, as you say, in a, in a large policy document is not going to be very helpful. How does policy support staff, uh, support culture and support the organisation generally? Well, policy can fulfill a few different objectives. It's one of our um, compliance tools. So we often have obligations of things we have to do. And policy can be one way to demonstrate and provide guidance on how we meet those obligations. Policy can, as we said, set forth how does the organization approach something. Um, If there's something we have... um, no tolerance for if there's something we expect from people. Policy is a way of presenting that and making it clear. And policy can also be a way of backing up how we expect people to approach things for consistency. So getting into procedures and talking to people about, look, this is how we do it, can can provide that sort of organizational level viewpoint um, that then allows us to be consistent be clear, which reduces sort of inefficiency, confusion, and can lead to better working experiences for staff and better student experiences, which is ultimately why we're all here, is for the students who are here to learn, the academics who are here to teach and research. So the better we can set up our documents to support those endeavors, the better off the university will be. You've talked, Kelly, about uh, the process of creating policy documents Um, who needs to be consulted, the the need to be careful about what you're doing when you're writing the policies. Can policy, though, can it also be flexible? We try to make it flexible. Our particular policy framework, it allows people to make changes 
fairly easily, depending on the scope. And as I said, we try to build in flexibility. Look, we say you should consult with people, but we let the teams go, look, in this particular instance, there's legislation that says this is exactly what we have to do. So there's probably fewer people we need to consult with because by law, this is what it has to say versus a situation where it's like, you know what, we really need to talk to a wide array of people. And I think it's also about the way, again, the policy can be drafted and saying, what do we need to have in here? And where are we getting too prescriptive? So a policy that can't be implemented or won't be implemented is not terribly useful. We often will talk about, we have a a scheduled review cycle. Policies are often reviewed for other reasons other than just it's been, say, three years. But Part of what we're at, we ask is, is it a, was it a good policy or procedure? Did it do what it was meant to do? And in order to be able to do that, you need to be able to go, did we implement it? So again, at the review stage, sometimes we will have something and we'll say, well, can we do that? Is that something we'll actually be able to tell if we've done? And how should we consider that? As part of our process, we also make sure that the teams complete deployment plans that specify things like, what are the other impacts of this in the policy library? Who do you need to communicate it to? Do you need to have special training, special promotion for it? Um, And how will you monitor it to know if it's any good? Kelly, is there any advice you would give to our students in the MBA program here at USQ who are exiting the program, graduating, and maybe getting their job in middle management, or even if they're lucky, leadership, what sort of advice would you give to them about the role that policy is going to play in their working life? One of my suggestions would be where you're given the opportunity to have a voice, take that opportunity. One of the biggest complaints from our drafters is they will send something out for feedback and they won't get a response, usually because people are busy, but they won't hear back. And then that makes it very difficult to get the documents that people need to create something that's really going to be useful. So if your opinion is being sought, try to find the time to do that and think about the impacts of what you're saying. So how is that going to work within the organization? Sometimes what can happen is we're so focused on getting the future state right, getting the content right, um, and racing ahead to the approval. You also need to spend time thinking about that implementation so that you actually get an effective policy or procedure. So definitely think about what do I want to say, but then also make sure that you are looking at your organization and going, okay, will our systems be able to support this? Does something need to be changed? Who needs to know about this? Make sure those considerations are there so that um, people can get the most out of what you've done. Kelly, thank you very much. This has been an insightful discussion from inside the policy machine. Thanks for your time on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Information about our guests can always be found in the podcast show notes in your podcast app or on the course site. This has been a University of Southern Queensland podcast produced by the Office for the Advancement of Learning and Teaching.